One of my favorite deeper dives of 2023 was the one we did with Nurse Nikki on the new mastitis protocol. We got so many great questions and comments during the deeper dive from all those who attended live. Shout out to Naomi, who told us at the end that she was going to fix all her care plans right away. Same, Naomi. Use the link in the show notes to subscribe and have monthly live access to all of our deeper dives, as well as all of our recordings going all the way back to January of 2020. You don't want to miss out on this. And we can't wait to see you at the next deeper dive. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, Leah. Good morning, Annie. How are you? I am great. Happy to be podcasting. You know, we had these big plans that we were going to record together when we saw each other in person at LC in office in early October. And that didn't happen because there were no. too many interesting people to chat with, right? Yes. It was like, oh, I don't want to go just be um, talking on the podcast. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to all these wonderful people while we're here with them. So it was really hard to break away. But I know we were able to chat a little bit about some fun topics that we wanted to talk about. And I'm really excited for that. And it was just great being together in person and getting to talk to a group of real people. I mean, you guys are all real listening to this podcast, <laughs> people whose faces we can see about topics that we love. So we did a session on marketing, we did one on building your corporate structure, and then we did one on hiring people. And so it was just so fun. We got some great feedback too, to help us keep developing all of this business related content that we just have so much fun putting it together. I love it. I love it. Can you guess that the marketing one was my favorite? <laughs> it was really fun. It was such a fun, it was such a fun ending to the conference. So I can't wait to present that again. Before we get into the content for this episode, which is about safety concerns for your clients and for you for in-home lactation visits, We'd like to give a shout out to the sponsor for this episode, which is Intake Q. A lot of us in lactation land are using Intake Q for charting. It's one of many great options. And we're super excited that they have given us an exclusive URL, intakeq.com slash LBC, because that's going to give you a 20% discount on the first three months of Intake Q. So not only will you get the free trial that they give to everyone, you're also going to get to a discount on your first three months while you're getting your practice up and running. They have great flexible pricing options and including ones for low volume practices. So you're not really feeling like the stress of having to grow before you can access all the features. You can actually get in on one of these low volume plans, access all the features, get to know them and spend the rest of your energy building your practice so that you can um, hopefully have the great problem of needing to upgrade to the regular plan. So we really love Intake Q. I've been using it for months and I'm super happy with it. They have great customer service. So thank you, Intake Q, for sponsoring this episode. And we'll have a tech tip about Intake Q at the end of the episode. Yes, but I'll start us off with a marketing tip. How about that? I love it. 
<laughs> so today we're talking about safety concerns and also helping your client feel safe. And um, one of the things that I think is really helpful with helping a client feel safe is that they see you and they kind of get a sense of who you are. So when you're creating content, whether that be for social media or for your website, you really want to think about putting yourself out there as far as your face, um, kind of your general personality, that type of thing. So they, they can just feel comfortable knowing that this friendly, comfortable person is going to come to their home. Because I think that's a hard thing to do. I know like gosh, even when the plumber comes to my house, I'm like, okay, please be a nice person. You know, it's like, I don't even know what this person's supposed to look like. They're knocking on my door. You know, and I think in such a vulnerable time when you have a newborn in your arms, you want to feel like the person coming over is just warm, friendly person. And I think we can really portray that in what we put out, but it's important to put your face out there. I think that's probably harder for a lot of us because we're like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to do a live video. I don't want people to see me. I don't know what to say. But it's so important. And your clients will really appreciate it uh, in the long run. So be bold. Put your face out there. <laughs> That's a great tip. I think um, communicating that you're a safe person begins the first point of contact that any family has with you. They they really, you want to just put that vibe out there because that's that's what we're supposed to do for people. We're going to care for you and we want you to know it. So that's, uh, we can segue into the actual content of the episode, which is all about safety. And as we said at the top of the episode, we're not just talking about keeping ourselves safe during a home visit. We're also talking about helping our clients feel safe because there's two sides of it. We're going to a place we've never been before and they're inviting someone in their home who they've never met before. Leah, what was it like for you the very first time you did a home visit way back when? Oh my goodness. I remember I was terrified. I had never done anything like this because even with um, my work with La Leche League, I did never do home visits, uh, or at least not for anybody I didn't know. You know, it was more like, oh, a friend of a friend needed me to do a home visit or something like this. But this was going to a complete stranger's house. So that was really, really intimidating. And of course, that was like eight years ago before um, I knew Annie and knew all the things that I could do ahead of time that you've taught us over the years. Um, but it, it was definitely really intimidating and a big leap for myself, I think. The good news is um, at the time I had a partner working with me and we actually did like the first gosh, I don't even know, maybe like 10 or 15 visits together, which was kind of nice. We kind of held each other's hand like, okay, we're going to go do this together. So at least if it's like really shady, you know, scary or something, we're, we're together. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was all wonderful. And, um, you know, it turned my eyes around to like, you know, I was so intimidated. And then I was like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So that was good news. How about for you? Yeah. You know, I feel like I can't remember what, why, like, I don't remember feeling nervous. I was just like, oh, okay, people do this. So I'll do it. <laughs> Got it. I'm sure it's going to be fine, which is a little bit how I approach my professional life, which is <laughs> you're like, yeah, it'll be fine. fine. I can do this. <laughs> I can do it. It'll be fine. And my husband is more of the safety person. He's like, I would really um, like for you to 
tell me where you're going. Text me when you get there. I was like, oh, right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, having lived in, I moved to New York City in 1995. And I feel like I have a pretty highly developed personal safety radar. Um, And that sometimes, so sometimes when my husband would say things to me about, you know, just make sure you you know, park, don't park in a dark spot. I was like, who do you think I am? Like, I am a woman <laughs> in New York City. Like, don't mansplain me how to keep myself safe in a strange environment. Like, I got myself home from the club in the mid- late 90s <laughs> multiple times, and I was okay, mostly. I mean, and, you know, it's... So there's a little bit... I, I'm a little... I think looking back, my cavalier attitude is not one that I would recommend to anyone these days. But at the same time, I felt from the very beginning that it was important for me to set some expectations on both sides so that I felt like we're real people who are going to do something real together. You're, you're, this is not a fake thing. This is not, you know, uh, so starting with, um, we can start by giving some ways that you can protect everyone's safety in advance of the visit and that are really specific to lactation. So I think we all know, you know, when you are told if you're going to buy something off of Craigslist, for example, they say, you know, always meet them at a separate location. Like don't ever go to somebody's house house to pick them up or don't tell them where you live. (laughs) So that's obviously not something that applies to this situation. So Let's go through some ways that you and I have come up with and um, through talking with each other in our own practice and hearing from other people doing private practice that we're getting safety taken care of in advance of the visit. Yeah, I really like the idea of making sure that the client fills out some kind of information about themselves prior. Now, you know, I know some people send their complete forms um, and like, the client has to have all of that information filled out ahead of time. Um, But even just like we use Acuity and we have very specific questions that you have to answer to create the appointment. They're like, um, you know, you have to answer these questions or the appointment won't be created. And that's been really helpful. One of them is, is our consent is on there. Um, We always get like the birth dates and we ask for the pediatrician. And I think that's really helpful because I'm like, well, somebody could make up a bunch of stuff, but it's going to take more effort to just find like a pediatrician name and then be able to put their name, you know, it's just like some extra questions. And of course, like why they want the visit and who referred them, Um, some questions like that, that might filter out anybody that was, you know, maybe trying to do something more shady. (laughs) But we've never had anything like that happen. So thank goodness. But I, I definitely think it's wise to stay kind of on guard a little bit and have some filtering questions that you get ahead of time. And, you know, we um, send out our full forms as well, but just to book the appointment, we have some filtering questions that we have. What about you, Annie? What do you do? Yeah, I do the exact same thing. They have to give me some basic information. So before I was using online scheduling because it didn't really exist back when I started my private practice, I was talking to people on the phone and just getting that basic information. And yeah, I mean, I feel like it would take a lot of effort to develop a con to 
so specific to like, it's this con will start with getting a lactation consultant to think she's coming to my house. Right. To help <laughs> it would take a lot of effort because I think also um, we as IBCLCs are like, super savvy detectives. I always tell my clients that I'm like, I'm like doing lactation detective work right now. That's why I'm asking you 40,000 questions. And, um, and I think we would pick up on it. We'd be like, really that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like, I think we would pick up on it pretty quick if somebody was trying to con us. And because I think a lot of us too, at least in the volunteer world, um, from doing, uh, being a La Leche League leader, we definitely got creeper texts like where it would just, you're like, you are so not a real person. Like yeah. you're not asking me a real question. And also, and then when, you know, we really got going in Facebook groups and you'd find out, oh yeah, that same creeper texted the same like gross question to 50 different leaders across right. the country. <laughs> like, don't just don't answer calls from that, that phone number, that, number yeah. that, that gross creeper. And I think that's really like, you know, it, 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 my experience has been you either have the gross creeper that you identify right away or like legitimate people who need breastfeeding help. Right. I, I definitely think so. I do think it sets a good expectation to take the consent in advance and it helps you learn something about your clients. I like to ask, tell me a little bit why you want the visit today. Yeah. And so to just get a little narrative um, and it helps me, I mean, not only prepare clinically, but also, you know, just established with them that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be preparing to do something together. It's, it's not just like, I want them to have a sense of what to expect. I I don't want them to think, you know, what, you know, what, what's going to happen when she comes, is she going to come in and just start like berating me that I'm not doing it right. And I think a lot of people do have that fear. They, Mm -hmm. they're not sure that they're safe with us and they're not. And that's, I don't think it does hold a lot of people back from even, consulting, reaching out to a lactation consultant, let alone having them come into their home. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I like, uh, one of the things that we do is we send uh, in our confirmation email, we send a link to our how to prepare for your visit, which the verbiage in there, we try to be really, um, you know, establishing some trust and caring and non-judgment. You know, we talk a lot about like, you don't even have to get dressed and please, please, please do not even think about anything in your house. Like we are not looking at your dishes or what laundry needs to be done. Like we're focused on you and your baby, your family and what help you need. Um, And so just, I think that can be really helpful if you have something to help them get a sense of how the visit might run and their expectations. Like, so speaking of other safety concerns, so pets, I never was uh, worried about pets until I was bitten. And then one of my um, newer LCs that came on, she was bitten by a cat. I know. And you usually don't think of like a cat attacking you, but Oh my gosh. Like totally bit her. Um, And so now you know, over the years I've developed actually more and more firm boundaries on that because I've just had so many dogs. And I think in the Facebook groups, you hear a lot too, like, Oh my gosh, this dog bit me or came after me or whatever. Um, so we actually have that in our confirmation email too, just saying like, you know, your pets will be secured or put away. Um, we still have people leave them out, but I'll ask, I'll be like, Oh, do you mind putting them away? I just know that some can be a little bit more protective of baby. So that's another way to keep yourself safe and don't be afraid to, you know, put that boundary out there. I know it's, sometimes it's hard. It's even hard for me sometimes, especially when the dog is like really clearly like super sweet and happy. 
I'm like, ah, but I still know that I'm going to feel on edge the whole time just because I've been bitten twice. And I've never been bitten by a dog, but I have had a dog lock me and the client in the hallway of their apartment, the front entryway of their apartment with the baby still in the apartment. (gasps) Like, cause the dog was growling. No, no. The dog was like the dog. When I finally met the dog, I was like, are you kidding me? It was like the tiniest little dog. (laughs) And um, she had been used to, she would open her apartment door and then lean out and she could open the front entryway without letting the door, she didn't have to let the door, her apartment door close behind her. And she's like, my dog has never done anything like this ever. They've they've (gasps) lived there for years with that dog. And she stepped out and the door was sort of cracked open behind her and the dog jumped up and pushed the door closed (gasps) and it locked. And she was like, she was in her pajamas. (gasps) She had nothing. She didn't even have her phone. And so this was a great example of like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to help you feel safe now because (laughs) I'm personally terrified. Your baby is sleeping in there right on the other side of the door. Like the baby was right there, but the baby was alone in the apartment with the dog and we can't get in there. So, so I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's my phone. You're going to call your husband and you're going to tell him what happened. And she said, he'll come back. He'll bring keys, but he's, he works in the city. That's like 40 minutes by train. I was like, great, do that. So, so text, so she texts her husband, she gets him to come. The texts were hilarious between her and her husband. Like later when I went back to look at them (laughs) and like, she, we ended up doing a bunch of visits together and we're able to get to a point where we could laugh about it. Um, but it was terrifying in the moment. And so then I said, is there someone else you want to call to come and be with you while you wait for your husband? Because it doesn't have to be me. I'm good with whatever you feel comfortable with. And she was oh, like, no, great. no, no, it's it's okay. Um, it can you, you know, do you mind waiting? I said, no, not at all. Absolutely. And I was like, what I realized was like, I need to keep talking so she doesn't panic because mm-hmm. this is scary that this is not like not okay. Like her baby could wake up at any minute. Thank goodness he slept And so then I said to her, well, we could do whatever you want to do right now. We can just sit here and talk, you know, or what, or we could start the visit. And I could, I do have a lot of questions that I like to ask at the beginning, but it's really up to you. Like what's going to help you feel calm and keep your mind off things. She's like, oh, that's a great idea. So I just started taking the history (laughs) out in the hallway while like somebody upstairs was having a party and was getting pizza delivered every 15 minutes. Not helpful for us because they couldn't get into the apartment. But, and I was like, and she was like, and and she just kept answering the questions and we just kept, she told me her whole birth story in the hallway. Her baby woke up and started to fuss. And three minutes later, her husband walked in and let us into the apartment. And it was so relieving. But ever since then, I'm like, you know, yes, I'm actually scared I'm going to get bit. But then I really think about like, animals are really unpredictable. (laughs) They're going to do something crazy, like lock us out of the house. That is out of the house. That's an amazing story. I um, I definitely have never been locked out of the house with a family before, but you handled that beautifully. And how beautiful how you kept her feeling safe and kept her mind off of things and stayed with her. That's just a, another example of how we can keep our families feeling comfortable and trusting and safe with us. I think um, one of the other things, and you were kind of talking to this, is you know giving location information to somebody else, especially if you are like on your own private practice and, you know, maybe, um, you have like a support person that you just communicate like, Hey, today's 
where I'm going to be, or if it's your partner, somebody that you feel trusted and maybe have some agreement with, um, you know, that they are just watching out for you and you have, I like the idea of having like a 911 something. So if I'm ever going to an area that I'm just not familiar with, like I'm like, oh, wow, I've never been to this part of town or something new. I'll let my husband know like, hey, I'm going to this new area and hopefully I don't get lost. A lot of times, because Houston's growing so fast, our GPS is, that's not a word, GPS, not S's, um, like won't identify the um, location. And so we're like, you're kind of on the fly. So I always tell my husband, like, I'm going to a non-existent place right now. It'll be like a new neighborhood that's in the suburbs. And so I'll tell him like, okay, I'm just following literally turn by turn directions, which is terrifying to me now. I'm so dependent on my DPS to tell me what to do. And when somebody, and when it won't pull up, then I have to ask the family like, Hey, can you give me directions? And it is so hard. You have no idea how hard that is when you have not used like somebody's directions. You've only ever used GPS for the last like eight years of my life. I'm like, what does this mean? Why won't something tell me when the street is coming up? You know, so you're you're that person that's driving all slow and looking at all the signs and everything. But it's 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 important. And then I think you know, if you have some concerns, you know, somebody that's watching out for you, um, like you had talked about having something like a, a warning, like, Hey, this doesn't feel like it's going well. Some kind of way to communicate, like, I'm, I don't feel safe right now, um, to your support person too. Do you do anything like that? Or do you, have you thought through, like, what would you do if you got to a consult and didn't feel safe or felt like maybe, um, your safety was a concern there? Yeah. Have you know, it's just, like it's weird because it's just never happened. It hasn't happened to me either, me. but I always like think about like, what would I sure. do? I, you know, things I do are I have in my consent for care that I'm going to be sharing their address with my support person and I yeah. provide his name, my husband. And if anybody asked me, like came to me and said, I'm not comfortable with that. I would say that I'm not the lactation consultant for you. And I'm yeah. you're totally allowed to do that. Like that's, it's a case where informed consent means they have the right to refuse, but you also have the right to not take them on as a client. If you're not feeling like that falls into your safety protocol, never had anybody have a problem with that. No. Other things I do is I make sure, you know, I always make sure my cell phone is charged and I do carry a backup battery. Something else that has happened to me is I have been stuck in an elevator. (gasps) And so wanting to make sure that, um, I have a way to like I'm not stuck somewhere that I can't get service or, um, you know, that, that that's a big reason for people to know who I am. And so speaking of that is I go to apartments that are these big high rise buildings where I, I'm so high up, I don't have cell phone service or there oh, are wow. pockets of New York city where I don't have cell phone service or have really spotty service or you're just so deep inside And so having someone who knows where I am because I can't text them if I'm stuck in an elevator or my location services aren't working, you know, and, you know, thankfully, like you get stuck in an elevator, they like everybody, like you get out of the elevator, like I'm going to get out of the elevator, but it's things like that where, um, that's why it's important to not just rely upon, um, like I have find my friend turned on on my phone and my husband and my kids can see where I am, but if I, if I'm not in cell phone service, they can't see where I am, but always getting that permission and making sure people understand that. I also 
I ask about parking if I'm going to somewhere new. I mean, in New York City, it's that's more about convenience than it is about safety. But if you're in a rural area, you might want to know, like, am I going to have to park my car and then walk for a quarter of a mile? And what is that walk like? And, and yeah. maybe I don't want to do that walk at night. I, I would not personally feel comfortable in a um, doing, I don't do night visits in general, more because I have difficulty um, seeing and driving at night. Just, I just don't like doing it, um, which I guess is also about safety. But, you know, going to a brand new place that I've never been to, where it might be in a part of Queens or Brooklyn, where it's more industrial still, and so where I might not be able, can I park right in front of your building or do you have a parking spot? Because there are there are areas where I just don't want to be walking. I might be by myself in an industrial area where there isn't a lot of foot traffic. I'm personally not comfortable with that. So, and if that would be, I could imagine a case where I would come to a client client's address and they are living in one of these neighborhoods and I can't park close enough. And the only place to park, I, I don't feel comfortable with my surroundings and feeling like too vul- vulnerable on the walk to yeah. their house. That might be a reason where I might say, I'm not, you know, going to come to your, I don't know. I might not do the visit or yeah. I might say, can we reschedule for another time when there's parking available or, or, you know, take, say, I, I'm not going to drive my own car. I'm going to take a car service there or have someone oh, yeah, drop that's me a off good and pick idea. me up. So, you know, and, you know, I've lived in, I mean, I've been in New York City almost 25 years. I've, I've been very safe, thankfully, here. But I do know that those those deserted areas, the empty subway cars, those are the things I tell my daughters that that's, you just don't want to be, you don't want to be the only person on the street and you don't want to be the only person in a subway car because that does make you, vulnerable. Anna and I have been so lucky with all the people who have joined us on our deeper dives. When you join our monthly subscription, you get every single one of our deeper dives dating all the way back through January 2020. We're talking about Kathy Jenna, Rachel O'Brien, Nichelle Clark, Rebecca Costello, Melissa Cole, and so many more. They're all people we love learning from, and we have so many more coming down the pike. Check out the show notes to learn more and join today. Yeah, those are definitely big things to think about. And, you know, not so much here in my area, but I know in some of the big cities where you, um, you know, they're expanding, but not out like Houston expands out. And I think a lot of these big cities like some expand inward, you know, so like you're getting all these new growth in areas that didn't have like people living there, you know, like you're saying like industrial areas and it can be hard to navigate because they're different than your typical areas that you're used to going to. But like once you get to the visit, I think there's things that we do on both ends for us to feel comfortable there. Like we were talking about the dog and the pet safety and stuff like that. But beyond that, I mean, I know as a mom, um, you know, I have more like a tend towards germophobia side, um, or for like, definitely. And, um, so I was definitely would be more aware of like, is the person, 
cleanliness? You know, are they washing their hands? Are they cleaning their scale in front of me? Does it seem like they've taken some time? I think that can help most moms. I think most new moms with newborns are a little bit more conscientious of hand washing, especially the time of year. Like if you've got that winter baby, they're like really cautious of it. And I think we can help them feel safe by doing that before they even ask, you know, um, I know you have like the take your shoes off thing, which I love, like you're always taking their shoes off. Um, I ask every time, I think things like that, that show that we're thinking of their comfort level, um, helps a lot for them to feel safe with us to be comfortable to say, Hey, I, you know, please don't put your stuff there or don't, you know, you know, take your shoes off, being comfortable to ask us those types of things. If we start out by asking them, like, what's your preferences and showing them that we're thinking of their needs in this area too. So I think that's definitely really helpful as well. Um, how about you? Have you had any like in-home things that you think about to help you feel more comfortable once you're in the home? Well, one, you know, thing that I'm aware of is that my clients are going to have Alexa or Google Home. Oh, um, yeah. And so, and here in New York State, they don't have to tell you if they're recording you. Oh, wow. Um, so it's uh, like every state is different. Yeah, um, I've heard of that before. For, for, yeah, for what they are, what they allow. So in some states, both parties have to consent to be recorded, but in New York State, only one party has to consent to record something. So, um, and I guess for me, I'm like, I don't really care about being recorded, but, you know, I will sometimes, you know, I do recommend, first of all, if you're not comfortable being recorded, know what your state laws are and have a policy that you're communicating to your clients, but also as a safety issue for them that to let them know that when Alexa and Google Home listen to you, even having them turned on and not recording, they're collecting data about you and Google in particular might serve up some ads to you for oh um, nipple butter. So you crazy. want that? Um, so that's sort of a like new safety concern is yeah. devices that are listening to us that are so convenient and help us out so much, but also what is where is that data going? Is that data secure? I mean, we're not you know, I'm not using, if I were in an office, I wouldn't, I would not have any of these devices turned on because that is a violation of HIPAA for my client's privacy. Um, But, you know, they're allowed to do what they want to do. Um, And, you know, I'm also really concerned about making sure I'm getting out on time and helping the clients feel safe that way. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not here to be there all day. Like I, I don't want them to, I don't want them to ever feel like I'm, a guest or expect anything from them. So I don't, they don't have to give me water. I mean, I've actually like realized recently that I had this like hardcore policy that I would only ever say yes to water if it was offered to me by a a non-lactating person. Yes. We've talked about that before. I I have changed my tune on that because I've realized that people like to extend some kind of hospitality when you come yeah. into their home. And so I would never ask. And so my, I've revised my policy. I'm not going to ask for water. I'm not going to come in and be like, God, I, I would love that. some water. I'm so thirsty. Right. But if I'm offered, I will say that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. And then sometimes I get seltzer. And it's like <laughs> a whole new world of getting seltzer from my clients. It's amazing. It's so funny. I have this one client that, um, 
I guess in one consult with her, I, they had seltzer and I was like, oh my gosh, I have that. I love that one too. The grapefruit is so amazing. And I ended up seeing them several times and it was so funny because every time I would come in, she would have it like sitting on the table on a little coaster ready for me. And she's like, there's your seltzer. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love, I love coming to your house. (laughs) I totally had that same client, the same thing. We're like, and we have your seltzer for you. I know. It's so cute. It's so cute. I love that. I love when they're thinking of us too. So have you ever had a situation where you walked in and you felt like the baby or the mom or the family was in trouble and where they, they weren't safe, not where you didn't feel safe, not where they didn't feel safe with you, but where you felt like they were not safe or something was, was not going well for them, not going right. I luckily have never had like something like really scary other like I've had a couple of clinical situations where I've sent them right out the door to the emergency room so yes safety concerns as far as clinical goes um luckily I have not had any situations where I felt mom or baby were not um safe like in a non-clinical but like physical way or mental way Um, but I'm sure that that could come up because you're really coming into somebody's personal space. Um, you're going to see things that might not have been seen if you had seen them outside of their home environment. So I think it's important thing for us all to think of, think through, like, what would we do? Have you ever had an experience like that? I have not. Um, I have after the fact been, had clients share with me certain things that I didn't know were happening at the time, just in terms of, um, stress in their relationships. And, um, which was, so it, it was a wake up call for how these things can go undetected and Mm -hmm. things like, especially domestic violence can be very hidden. Yeah. People work very hard to cover them up. And I am, would not even presume to be any kind of expert on how to manage that. We did have, um, a great session at last year's LC and PP conference that was too short. It could have been a lot longer um, about um, working with abuse victims and survivors, Mm -hmm. um, people who are currently experiencing abuse or people that have had experiencing experienced abuse and how to talk to them and how to um, show care for them and create a safe space. And I would really love personally to get more training on that. I did implement some of the recommendations. It was um, an IBCLC named Rachel Blumberg gave the talk and it was, it was great. And I, I hope she's planning to do more education on the topic. Yeah. It's so important. And it's also really important that we get trained in mental health, um, awareness of how to deal with these situations. Cause these, this is something that I feel like has come up for me many times where feeling concerned about the, um, the parents mental wellness and yeah. where there are red flags going up for postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety and knowing how to handle that. And I mean, number one, knowing that it's not in your scope of practice to address mental health situations unless you're a therapist, a licensed therapist. So if you are a lactation consultant and someone starts throwing up red flags that they are not well, that is not for you to deal with. And you can make things worse by trying to deal with it. What um, And what I have been told, and again, not something where 
I would presume to be an expert and I'm still looking for more training about it. And um, because I think it's really important that we all get it, but to say, you know, we're going to call someone right now, we're going to call the pediatrician and to say to the client, I am not the person to help you with this. I am not equipped to help you with this. And I have had to say this actually recently to several clients um, that I am not the person to help you with this. And by my, I don't know, I, I have this feeling of like, if I say that, what if they never get help at all? Because I'm sending them off to someone else. But right. in all cases, when I said that, those people went and got help. And it was oh, me telling wow. them, I am not the person to help you with this as nice as I am. And as much as I want to, for me to put up that boundary, help them, I think, see that this was serious. Like if you've got this nice lady who came to your house and she's being all warm and fuzzy telling you, I can't help you, it must be something that needs help. And um, so I think having that training, um, an awareness of what the signs and symptoms of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and postpartum psychosis are, and having prepared scripting for yourself of what to say in those situations to to create that safe environment and not make the environment dangerous for them is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think those are such important topics to be aware of. And I love the idea of like some scripting to just kind of have it in your head, maybe do some role play in your mind. Like, okay, if this goes down, this is what I'm going to say so that you're prepared. Cause it's really hard when you're like, Whoa, okay, this is getting, way more than I expected or, you know, it's, it's hard to put your mind around like, okay, well, how do I formulate a you know, words that aren't going to make this worse, you know? So I love the idea of thinking about that ahead of time. And another, um, another thing to think about ahead of time is to be, um, doing work on your own biases that come from race and culture and privilege. If you're in a dominant culture, as Leah and I both are being aware of how, you are in some ways as if you are a white lactation consultant in a country where you are the dominant and have all those issues like we do in the US where there's a lot of racism, you're inherently unsafe to your clients of color um, because of systematized racism. And there's studies that come out, uh, there was one that came out recently talking about just how even research that was designed to be uh, blind to race that turned out to be even more racist and skewed so that um, white men were getting really high quality of care and black women were getting terrible care in this study that was meant to be blind to race. It's, I mean, and it's, so we have to really understand that they're, they might not feel safe with us and they have reason to not feel safe with us because they have, may have been harmed by people who look like us. And so having equity training and talking about that on your website and finding ways to communicate, um, you know, a lot of us have the rainbow flag on our, um, websites that say that we're an inclusive practice to make um, clients who are not um, cisgender feel comfortable with us. So, um, you know, tell asking people in your intake form, what pronouns do you use? Not what pronouns do you prefer? What are your pronouns? What are they? 
Yeah. Because, uh, you know, what was something, you know, I felt, I feel like I've had a lot of good training from um, Stephanie Wagner, who's going on the road with uh, USLCA to teach us all Yay. even more about this amazing stuff um, and how to talk, how to make, create that safe space for our, um, for clients who are not, you know, just the typical um, cisgender, I look like what I what gender I am, and that realizing that someone might come to your office presenting as a cisgender female who is actually male. And that is what they, that is who they are. But if you never ask them, they're going to assume that you don't want to know. And now you're, you're not giving them the chance to tell you who they are and who they are. And if a client feels like they have to hide something, that's going to make them feel less safe, you know? So by asking ahead of time, we create this feeling of safety. I'm a safe person. You can be real. You can be your real self. Like we're not going to um, make you, you know, wear the mask. You can be your real self. And I think then we create a lot more trust and that just improves the quality of care that we can give too. Absolutely. And we're going to make sure we have some resources in the show notes if you want to pursue additional education about mental uh, postpartum wellness and um, perinatal mood disorders, as well as equity training and um, inclusivity training, because I think we all need this. And as you said at the top of the episode, we want to communicate this from the get-go. We want yeah. our, our communities to know that we are a safe space, that that we, and we're learning and we're growing. And when we make mistakes, we're going to apologize and figure out how we can make ourselves better and, and do better for, for our clients. And then, so that we've talked about now how to keep things safe before the visit and during the visit. And we actually have to keep things safe going forward after the visit. So what are some ways that we continue to um, keep everybody safe after, after we've left their home. Right. So when you're um, communicating with the client or with um, other healthcare providers, you know, making sure you're doing that in a safe way, a secure way, uh, I think helps continue that, that um, trust, you know, that we're not just going to be blabbing everything that happened in your visit on social media. <laughs> we're actually going to keep your, um, your confidentiality and then sending your doctor's reports in a secure, safe way, and then giving you options for secure communication, um, whether they select them or not, but to just make sure that they, you know, have a way to talk to you, um, past the time of the visit in a safe and secure way if that helps them feel better um, and more open about what they're sharing if they're having any troubles continuing on. So I think that's really important. Are there any other ways that you've thought through keeping yourself safe after? Yeah. um, So one that comes up and people ask me this all the time, what address do I have to put on my super bills when you do home visits and don't have an office? And really the safest answer to that is that's what post office boxes are for. Yeah. There's so you can have a mailing address without revealing your home address. And so that's, um, it's, again, it's a business expense. Post office boxes are not free, but they will protect your privacy and keep that boundary safe. And I, I just really, I, I want to go back to what you said about how we talk about our clients and just using social media and I think that is like so important in terms of safety um, all around because those things, they get out. And if, you know, they, if you are um, prone to 
you know, just revealing too much about your clients on social media, it's going to come out. And, and even the way you talk with your colleagues on social media, like that comes out, like your reputation does precede you. And, um, you know, the work that we're doing is so important because our families that we're working with are in such vulnerable time of their lives. They may be dealing with birth trauma, which also we are not equipped to help them with. That's needs to be referred out. Um, We shouldn't even really be asking them to tell us their whole birth story. um, As much as that they might want to even, um, we want to get the information that we need. I learned this from uh, Brenna Sampe last week. Um, she talked a lot about this at the Movable Feast seminar that we really need to be asking them what we need to know about the birth, but their birth story is sacred and probably isn't for us to hear and everything they went through. And I thought that was really an interesting reframing for me and very challenging reframing mm-hmm. for me. And I've been pondering on that ever since she said it, because I guess I always thought, well, it's just a birth story, but you know what? It's just like a birth story, like Like, one of the most profound experiences someone can go through. And, and that maybe I've been too cavalier in my own thinking about the impact of asking people to tell it. So, um, I mean, I've switched in the last several years, I get birth information through the intake. So I'm, I'm not typically inviting my clients to go through their whole birth story with me um, anyway. Yeah. But um, it really got me thinking about if they even try to, to, to think about stopping them and saying, I'm not, I'm not the person for this is the wording that Brenna gave us. So that was, that was really interesting. interesting. I think that's, yeah. yeah, it's something to really be thinking about like all of the ways that we are um, putting our clients first and also, you know, protecting our own safety, which, which does, is good for our clients too. When they see us taking care with our own selves, they, you know, they understand like a self is something to be taken care of. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a great way to think about it. And and it will help empower them. You know, it gives them the, you know, open to state their boundaries or, let us know what would help them feel safe because we're sharing what's going to help us feel safe. And two safe people working together are going to make a much better outcome than anybody feeling hindered by um, not feeling safe, you know? So I think that's awesome. Absolutely. This has been such an interesting conversation and I'm so glad we took it on um, because it just, it definitely, every time we talk, I'm always like, oh, I love that thought. All right. It's a new thought for me. Um, As we wrap up today, I know you have a tech tip for us today, Annie. What's that? I sure do. So I collect my clients' insurance information even when they're out of network. So last week, last episode, we talked about... um, insurance and all of that crazy business um, and how there, we have an ethical responsibility to provide our clients with a super bill. So I actually have my out-of-network clients give me their insurance information as well. And I explained to them, I'm asking you this because then my system will create a super bill for you that has your information already pre-populated in it. Oh. And, you know, it's, and so Intake Queue makes that very easy to grab that information. Creating the super bill is like just a few clicks. Um, 
I create the invoice, I, rec- I take the payment, process their credit card, and then I can click a button that just says send super bill. And it even reminds me if I've left anything off the super bill, like if I've forgotten to put a diagnosis code on there, it won't send it to them until wow. I make sure it's complete. And, and they look really nice and I get, you know, they're formatted. I have a disclaimer at the bottom that I loaded into intake queue that talks to them about how like, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to get any thing back, but here's a link to the National Women's Law Center. So that's all there. I don't have to think about it. I, And I find that it just gives them something really nice looking. Um, so Intake Queue is not the only platform that does it. I have been very happy with the way Intake Queue does it. It sounds like they're a magical unicorn. <laughs> like everything I hope an EHR would do, they seem to want to do. So that is super awesome. And I think that is a really great way that we just continue to help our clients um, fight the insurance beast. <laughs> okay. It's been great talking to you today. And I look forward to our next episode together. Me too. So good to talk to you. Bye, Leah. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Did you know that for just $15 a month, you can join our live deeper dives and also get all of our recordings back through January of 2020. Sign up today and be part of the conversation. The magic happens when you show up.